Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. you're wondering where the hell is he uh good morning on a thursday and uh welcome to uh all marine radio the um interesting little discussion in this country about you know when we should open states up and to me i mean I know the president just got elected, and he's kind of anxious to get his hands on the steering wheel and be the guy who makes the difference. But truth be told, the nation's been fighting this for a year, right? And it looks like, given the the number of COVID cases, I mean, think about this. I was walking my dogs the other day, and I went by the Orange County Fairgrounds where they have a testing site. So uh, these guys are just standing there, and there's literally nobody there. 
And this place, I don't know, 60 days ago, so what, March? So that would have been January. So 60 days ago, this place was full to the brims, to the brim. I mean, and so these guys just stand there. They they have their mask on. They're kind of the gate guards. Uh, but I think they're just standing by the gate, but they used to, you know, they, they're in surgical scrubs. So I think they're medical people, but they're just hanging out. So I'm walking with Jack and Joe. And I said, hey, what's going on, fellas? And they're like, hey, Matt, how are you doing? I said, I'm good. And I said, what happened to everybody? And they're like, we're like, it's great. And they're like, they looked at me like, it's crazy. And I said, so when this place was full every day, how many, how many people were you testing a day? And they said between 4,000 and 5,000 a day testing at the Orange County Fairground. And I said, and what, what is it now? They said 300 to 500. That's, that's a 90% drop in the number of tests being administered. So, again, you're trying to balance, you know, this, this thing we've done to the nation, you know, with this mounting evidence. And then in the meantime, you have, you have people that, that are going under and, and the federal government's not going to rescue them. So if you're not going to provide a remedy, then get out of the way and give everybody the caveat of this. Look, we cannot protect everybody. Shots are coming. But we have now gotten to the point where we believe the risk is acceptable. If you are at all at risk, you need, this is still killing people. You need to stay at home. You need to work from home if you're vulnerable to this kind of stuff. If you're the elderly, where 81% of the death in this country has occurred has been in people that are 65 years or older. Okay, so I think for the rest of us, time to go back to work. I, I just, you know, and then you see the president with his Neanderthal comment and blah, 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 blah. Um, all the gloom and doom, you know, Again, it's just head shaking as people lose their homes, their livelihoods, their businesses. At some point, there's got to be an acceptable level of risk. Now, to me, what's concerning, Governor of Texas, you know, I was reading reports that said he only consulted with one of four medical people that he normally consults with. So I, I'd be curious to see his comments about the intellectual basis for what he did and, and what level of risk that he's been able to quantify and why, why he's done what he's done. Because I think you owe that, if you're an elected official, I think you owe that to people. That's just me. So, uh, but I let me tell you, based on what I've seen, and let me just, let me just see what it is today, right? Um... Seven day, what is it? Seven day average. Seven day average. COVID. See what graph I get. <laughs> pick one. Pick one. 
right? It's all going, I'll just take my home state of California. No, I won't. Let me let me go to let me go to the CDC, right? That's where I should be. <laughs> it looks like it's fallen off a cliff. Oh my god. 7-day moving average. So, let me see. You want to track the first of the year? Let's track cases on January 1. New cases, 174,555. That's in the United States. New cases. As of March, last data here is March 2nd. 500, I'm sorry, 54,000 cases in the country. In the country. So, let's see, what do we... So January 1st is 174. Well, you know, it matters what day of the week you do it on, too. January 2nd, it's 284,000 cases. January 3rd, it's 207. January 5th, it's 230. So let me take this number right here. 230 cases on January right 5th, right? And we have, what, 54,000? So let me do the math. 54, 1, 2, 3, divided by 230, 0, 0, 0, equals COVID cases in the nation are down 77%. Yeah, 77%. So at what point do you say, at what point do you say, okay, boys and girls, we have the vaccine coming. Clearly, even the greatest naysayers say this could only happen because of the herd immunity, because of the spike throughout the winter. We're not out of the woods, especially for you people at risk. But as the governor of the state, I cannot in good conscience keep businesses closed when I know how this thing spreads and the indications of herd immunity that are clearly here. So therefore, here's what we're going to do. And you know, and then what's curious is that you're fighting teacher unions that are saying, yeah, we don't care. We're not going back to work until we're vaccinated. So maybe with the teachers, you do the same thing with them that we did with the air traffic controllers years ago, fire their asses. All right. You want to go to work? That's fine. You're fired. And get get more teachers. So anyway, um, Mensa Brothers will be on here uh, in a minute or two, in a few minutes. And uh, yeah, we wound up doing an hour and a half worth of discussion. And here's what we do: we talk about rifle quals. We 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 endeavor to create our own system. Right. And we go around the, the track twice. So the, the ground rule was everybody gets to contribute one thing non-negotiable in this system that we'll create. And then the second time through, as we propose stuff, it has to pass by unanimous consent. 
so that's what we begin to do. And then, so we do that, and then we take a look at the president's decision um, after the death of Suleimani. We just saw all the video of the the ICBMs landing around Al Assad, and and heard the reports on 60 Minutes last Sunday evening. Um, so we talk about that decision, you know. And the reason we're talking about it is because last week Will was um, adamant that that the Iranians fueling those um, was an act of war, and that uh, and that the United States should have struck them at that time, right? And we're already fighting in Afghanistan, we're already fighting in Iraq. Now we're going to open up a third war. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about that and kind of go down that that rabbit hole because, you know, politics is war by other means. I'm sorry. <laughs> I screwed that up. Ooh. War is politics by other means. Although, now that I think about it, <clears throat> the burn it down attitude that you see with most American politicians would make my little slip uh, almost accurate. Um, so anyway, um, I'll go through the, let me go through the top stories, early bird text. Where are you getting your data from? Uh, the CDC website. Yeah. My cursory data. Go back to January 5th and cases actually spike in the country at 303,000 in, on January 8th. So if you take from the high point, right? If you take from the high point of January eighth, and you go to fifty-four thousand, is that what I said? So three hundred fourteen thousand, and then fifty-four. If I go from the high point, three fourteen, one two three. Oops, clear. Fifty-four divided by three fourteen equals 83% decrease in COVID cases since the high in the in the first week of January. Cases have dropped 83%. Um, I would ask you, make the case to continue to do these things that we're doing to the population that are clearly not healthy. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we shall see this. You know, and like I said, the president's comments of, uh, Neanderthal, you know, elected officials, and he's the enlightened one. Yeah, Joe Biden, enlightened. Why am I struggling with that? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Joe Biden, enlightened. Hmm. <laughs> Come on, man. They pulled the plug on him when he started taking questions yesterday. Did you see that? That's kind of gross, man. He's going to take questions. You can see people sprinting down the hall. No, we've avoided this disaster. No. What? Uh, uh, uh. Don't ever let him take questions in public. What are you, crazy? So, again, uh, I hope uh, the states that have, <coughs> excuse me, I'm having a vocal cord blowout. So, the escape hatch. United States Marine Corps ban makes this morning official. 
Yeah, how about that? Good morning to you. I repaired the blowout. This is uh, dedicated to the hope that uh, grown-up people sit down, quantify the risk, and look and say, hey, look, uh, this phenomenon that has COVID uh, cases across the nation plunging means that we've got to allow people to go back to work uh, with the admonition that if you're part of the population that is at risk, uh, you should probably wait till you're vaccinated. Everybody else, let's go. Let's get this thing moving. And you teachers... You need to do your part. And if you're at risk as a teacher because you're whatever, um, then you can stay at home and we'll get somebody to substitute for you. But time to get kids out of the house. And again, time to to let them compete in athletics. You know, Colleen is a volleyball player. You know, she goes to practice, but they have to practice outdoors because you can't play volleyball indoors. Yeah, that's, that's a rule in the state of California. Just stupid. And it's unfair to kids. It's unfucking fair to kids. So um, this is dedicated to the proposition that, you know, people grab their heads by their, you know, ears. And when you hear that loud popping noise, it means your head's out of your ass. Take a deep breath, right? Try to act like a grown-up. Try to quantify the risks to the, the people in your state at this rate of vaccination. And I think no matter what case, when you see that cases in the country have dropped between 77 and 83%. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, this is uh, it's dedicated to the proposition that at some point, right, at some point, people do the rectal kohler, the rectal anal extraction, right, and get their heads out of their ass. <laughs>
you're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore, so young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time for us to check the weather, then the Mensa brothers will join us. Currently it is uh, partly sunny in 53 in Quantico, down the coast. Camp Lejeune has warmed up. Sunny and 64. Twenty-nine Palms warmed up a little bit, but still cold here in Cal Southern California. Sunny and 51. Pendleton, sun and 54. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy and 68. Okinawa, dark cloudy and 67. And Darwin, where it's always warm, it is dark cloudy and 77. In Oslo, Norway, sun and 41. Yeah. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, it is fair, whatever the hell that means, and 53 degrees. 1% chance of rain through 9 o'clock this morning. Looking for a high today of 64, 67 tomorrow, 63 on Saturday, 61 on Sunday, 60 on Monday. <laughs> Not happy about that. So that is a look at your weather. Let me, uh, let me just go through a few headlines here. Top five stories in early bird today. Somebody sent me an email. Mac, what are you doing today? Um, well, you know, I was, I've been doing videos, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually done with those. Yeah. There's eight different parts to post-traumatic winning. Parts five and six. Um, there's two versions of part five and six. So parts one through four are the same for everybody. Uh, there's a part five for leaders and a part six for leaders. And there's a part five for individuals and a part six for individuals. Yeah. So I've been working on that a lot. And so that's done. And, uh, I'm going to film the whole thing now, which is me actually doing it. So that's the next version I'll create. Um, but actually what I was working on this morning is footnoting suicide. Yeah. Where do you get your numbers? You know, cause when you do data driven stuff, you know, you got to find, um, you got to find numbers. So here's a question for you in the last 20 years, uh, say 21 years of data from actually it could be, it could be 20 years of data. Uh, so from the year 2000 
to 2020, how much do you think suicide has gone up? What percentage? And I'm going to give you a number. Uh, annual suicide, actually, the number is probably higher when I adjust the numbers. So, so here's what I do. So, the Department of Defense started tracking suicide numbers in about 2008 when they started putting out reports on annual suicide. Okay. Before 2008, the services reported that stuff independently. So, and trying to find that data is not easy. Okay. Now, at some point, maybe I will, you know, as I root around, somebody can help me out with that. But uh, there's a website called Statistica, and it has total self-inflicted deaths of active duty military personnel in the United States. But when they say active duty, what they mean is active and reserve. How do I know that? Because in some years, their data goes to 2010 in the report that I saw, right? And the reports in 2008, 9, and 10, their numbers are total force numbers, not simply the active component. So when you're going to get your exacto knife out and you're only going to do active comp component suicide, uh, you have to go through and you have to go through now the years that I have data that compares and contrasts the active component with the regular component. What is the average? from 2008 to 2019, 2020 data not out yet. So what is the average deviation between reserve suicide and active suicide? So what percentage is that? And then you take that, you apply it to the data that I do have that goes from 1990 to 2007. So I'm in the process of footnoting that. Yeah, I know, that was a little, that was a little egghead-like, but deal with it. Uh, so what do you think? So suicide in, um, let's see, let me do the, the math here, equals 153 times 0.91, which is the lowest percentage. Wow. Okay, so 139 suicides in on for the active component in 2000 right so what do you think um what do you think the number is in 2000 at the end of 2020 i'll give you a second to think So in 2000 and in 2000 is 153 total. 91% of those is the average I have right now. And actually the number should be a little bit higher, but I'm erring on the side of caution because that's what you're supposed to do in statistics. So I'm, uh, 
erring on the side of cautious, and the number is 139. Footnoted, okay? That's a footnoted number. Believed to be a 20% increase in suicide. Okay? And that was the low end that I saw in 2020. So 2019 suicide total active duty was 348. Okay, so that rounds 10% of that is 35. If you're, It's 30, 34.8. That's 10% of it. If you round that up, it's 35. So if you add 70, right, If you add 70 to 200 and to 348, you get 418. Yeah. So that's a 201% increase in suicide in 20 years. How about that? So that's what I was doing this morning. So I got, I, I actually, I got a text, <laughs> right? I have shithead friends on the East Coast, and those fuckers, they, they text me at three, when they, when they, when they get up and they're PTing. And then I'll wake up and I'll look at my phone. And if it's something of substance, I'll read it, and I'll like, I'll start thinking about it. Then I can't go back to sleep. So I got up this morning, and I started, foot, I started doing footnotes. That's what I've been doing, footnotes. I've been, I've been, I've been doing research on the internet. Um, doing footnotes to suicide so that it, that every number that you know that I would include in something right is a footnoted sourced piece of data <laughs> so that's the kind of dork shit that I do yeah and let me tell you it's pretty fucking sobering the billions and billions of dollars that the DOD throws into suicide and it's gone up 200% since the year 2000. Crazy, right? Crazy. 200%. Thank God we spent all that money, right? If we didn't, I mean, God only knows what it would be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Let me go through the top five stories in early bird today, and then uh, we'll bring the Mensa brothers in. Uh, number one, the guard waited more than three hours for approval to respond to the Capitol riots. Yeah, that's big. That's high drama in uh, the nation's capital, getting to the bottom of the worst insurrection ever organized in the history of mankind. Number two, not that there's a lot of politics in there, right? And then we're going to root out extremism in the military. Stand by for that one, right? Yeah. Another 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 joke done for political effect, big charade. At what point will some military leader stand up and say, Yeah, you know what? This is gonna wind up being just what it always is, a small group of idiots and we will deal with them. But let's not let's not lose our fucking minds over this, boys and girls, but nobody will say that. Well I mean again, the Navy I mean the Navy rolls over Fuck, like the USS Pennsylvania did. I think it rolled over in Pearl Harbor. Um, I mean, they're already 
They're already taking another oath, for God's sakes. I mean, you watch it just like, oh, man, can you mean to tell me there's no problems? No, I mean, we have the same problems we've always had. Are there racists around? Yeah, there always, there always has been. But this whole idea of system, systemic racism, show it to me. In education, it's all run by liberals. Like, where? Show it to me. The systemic racism that's there is designed to promote, to punish Asians and to punish whites. That's the systemic racism in the education system. Go, just go look around. It's affirmative action. Harvard's got their ass in a ringer over it, all right? Um, number two, Pentagon Eyes plan to intensify social media screening in military background investigations. All right. It's a part of every other job application. All right. What's your Twitter name? What's your, let us see if you're a kook. Number three, lawmakers propose check on Biden's war powers. It's an ongoing fight trying to, um, trying to deal with war powers. Right, and they are the 1991, the 1990, and the 2002 authorizations for the use of military force in the Middle East. So specifically that. Uh, number four, police uncover possible plot by militia to breach the Capitol. I hope somebody has a press conference and shows us the evidence, you know, relative to this stuff. I mean, I mean, we look like a third world country. We have our we have National Guardsmen still still in the nation's capital. So I hope have a press conference, roll this out so we can all see it. Number five, former White House document denies allegations, says scathing IG report is a result of his support for Trump. Yeah. Now, you remember Ronnie Jackson? He's now a uh, member of the House of Representatives, got elected in Texas. So, NIG report alleges a broad picture of misconduct while he was at the White House. Like, crazy stuff, right? Crazy stuff. All right, so uh, that'll do it here on a, uh, for me, uh, you're going to hear the Mensis brothers coming up right now. So whatever you do, don't touch that dial. Uh, Jeff Kenny, Will Costantini, and Tim Lynch right here, right now on All Marine Radio on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Okay, I got no time for music tonight. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about building our own version of, uh, of a shooting uh, order, a marksmanship order for the Marine Corps. So it's going to be the, uh, the Mensa Brothers plus one, me. Um, and we're, but it's going to be a unique way because it's got to be a hybrid. And, uh, and so we're going to go around once and everybody's going to volunteer, going to get to say, this is a, this is non-negotiable for me. Okay. 
And then, and then the second time we go around that we build this thing, and I don't know how many times we're going to go around yet, but uh, the second time around has to be adopted by unanimous consent. Okay, so that's that's the way this uh, that's the way this thing's going to work. And uh, and so joining me tonight from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are you? Doing fine, man. Yourself? Good. You want to give us a weather update? We're all concerned. Oh, no, dude, 78 degrees and, and sunny out this afternoon. It'll be a nice, cool 62 tonight. It's beautiful. All right, there you have it. And from uh, outside Kansas City, Kansas, uh, in his Virginia Tech cover, William Constantini joins us. Constantini joins us. I already throw an N in there for some fucking reason. But uh, that's my own personal problem. Will, how are you? How's the weather? Grand. Today was like 66. I went uh, shot around uh, a skeet and around a sporting clays. It was wonderful. How'd you do? Hit anything? Uh, skeet, I was uh, pretty good. I think I shot 19. Sporting clays, it's hard to say. Um, you know, that's it's hard to score that thing. So, And I didn't change my chokes. And you get some of those birds out there like a thousand miles away. So it's still fun. Yeah. yeah, it's more of a noisemaker than an actual shot at something when they're that far away, right? Yeah, at some point, you know. But it's good. It, you know, what could be wrong if it's 68 degrees the first week of March in Kansas and you're busting caps? Nothing. 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 Nothing, nothing at I'm all. I'm thinking nothing. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kenny, just back from seeing his uh, mother and his uncle, Vinny Gaspacho, from, uh, that was... <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. What, what's your uncle's name? That's French. Gaspacho. <laughs> it's Vinny Di Pasquale. Damn it. I knew it was some shit like that. Uh, so how was everybody? Give us an update. Give us an update they're on. They're good? My mom's good. And my Uncle Vinny and his wife, Carol, are now um, confirmed listeners to the podcast. Ah, oh, shit. Vinny, I was just screwing around. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> He's an interesting guy. Um, all the rest of my uncles on that side and everything, they all uh, did construction. My Uncle Vinny uh, worked for Delta for like 40 years. So he was right there at Kennedy Airport. And, uh, you know, he was there when the Lufthansa robbery happened and all that shit, you know. That. Oh, really? So he's got – so it's interesting listening to him, you know. And they get, uh, they get warnings about, you know, the uh, hoodlums. And Pas- D. Pascal, you probably know some of these guys. Exactly. They're buddies. So- <laughs> hey, Tony, what are you doing here? Yeah. Gino, what are you doing here? So, but it's good. He gets to fly all over the place free because he lived, he worked at Delta for so long. Wow. So, you know, they that's how they get around. But anyway. Delta's uh, got a great reputation as a company. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it was good seeing them. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I drove them around. Yes. I drove yeah. them to the beach. My first time in the water of the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, drove them to their pool. To the pool, took my mom out for and them for her birthday dinner, in uh, Fort Myers itself. And Fort Myers was actually the the winter retreat for um, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, who were buddies. They were like peas. They were like the Starsky and Hutch of uh, turn of the century rich dudes. And they had two estates right next to each other that are now like museums. So Edison, did Edison die a poor man? Because, I mean, he like invented electricity. I mean, that's not a bad little gig to, I mean. 
Well, there's a big and there's a couple good. There's a good movie out called the uh, the the current war about the the you know controversy between him and Tesla right. and George right. Westinghouse, which is good. And um, but then I think after that he kind of transitioned over to uh, phonographs and more importantly f- films. You know, he's the father of uh, movies. So. Edison, man, he had a lot going on in that head, man. I mean, okay. so what's on your resume, Tom? Uh, electricity, motion pictures. Well, the beauty of it too is he was deaf, so he didn't have to listen to all the like noise Beethoven. that went on around him. Like really? Beethoven, man. He wasn't distracted by the insanity that is life. You know so. what? I don't want to say there's an upside to being deaf, but I mean, there's Edison's upside, life would tell you that there might be. A, there could be a silver lining to that. Well, I'll tell you when I was trying to get coordinated with my mom. She doesn't per- turn her hearing aid on, so she couldn't hear me calling on the cell phone. <laughs> and she talked to me a little bit, but the phone cut out, but she was too, too hard of hearing to notice it. So she walked into the terminal. She's sitting there in the lobby, and I'm outside. You know, all these you know, her cars pull up to pick you up. I figured that's what she's going to do. So finally, my brother Kevin calls me from Connecticut. He goes, Jeff, look, mom likes to pick – she likes to wait in the lobby. I'm like, who waits in the lobby now? <laughs> so I went in after an hour. I found her. So, so there's a downside to being deaf too. Yes. Well, not for her. She was fine. Yeah. For no, Jeff, got, getting got, picked up is a problem. Steps clump, clumping around that airport. You know? That's old <laughs> but, school, though, right? You went into the terminal yeah. and you waited for him, and you, you know, you gave him yeah. a big hug when they. You know, when they came off the plane, uh, things, you know, that aren't a part of our culture anymore. Yep. W- right? Walk, you know walked, my, him down, uh, walked him down to the gate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to, used to go and wave him on the airplane. Right. they right. take him on the airplane sometimes. <laughs> Not anymore, man. Not now, anymore. And all the wait, and all the stewardesses and all the people who used to bend over backwards because it was like a customer service thing, now they're surly bunch of hallway monitors like in school, you know? Mrs. Brown, Jeffrey was smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. He didn't wipe. He didn't wipe his That's hands like, off. There, he didn't wipe his hands pick up, off. Pick up your mask, please, sir. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Other than that, it was good. <laughs> Other than that, it was a good trip. What was you the highlight? I, mean? I like scratching that itch anyway. I like bitching. So, yeah. What was the highlight of the trip? The highlight of the trip was going to the beach because, um. They didn't do the Marine Corps planning process when they did shit like go to the beach or here or there. No, they're Italians. So, they just go to the, Italians go to the beach. It's genetic, right? Yeah. So that was uh, it was crowded because it was unseasonably warm. Even you know because even though it's the last day of February when we went. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, what was the temperature? It was like ninety three. Holy shit! Yeah. And they went to the beach and got in the sun. Yeah, I got a little bit of a sunburn and uh, went you, in the water. What do you do? warm in the Gulf. Oh, I know. It's disgusting. Yeah. it's The only thing that was worse than that is like summertime at Cape Cod on the inside. No, that's like just because there's people from Massachusetts all over the place. Mass hole, <laughs> mass holes. Yeah, make you want, they make you want to kill yourself. Hey, Vinny, shut the fuck (laughs) up, you idiots. Ah, Yeah, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Yeah, how'd that work out for you this year, boys? Not so good, huh? We don't, hey, we don't, we don't, we just reload up here with Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach. 
wasn't so good with Drew Bledsoe, and he wasn't so good this year. Hmm, maybe Tom Brady had something to do with that. Yeah, so that's, that's dedicated to all you massholes out there. Okay, let's talk about building the perfect marksmanship program for our military that we're going to create. So we, we get all hired by some small third-world country, and Timmy gets us all uh, settled in because he does shit like this. And uh, we get together in a room like, all right, boys, marksmanship program. Okay. And so I'm going to start because I'm the host of the fucking program. Okay. So <clears throat> the first thing is that the, all the ranges that we shoot for annual qualification have to be automated. Yeah, you can't do it. It's, yeah, it doesn't matter. That. Doesn't matter. Be, uh, that's mine. That's mine. It's they're automated. They're automated ranges. Yeah, I, I listen. It's I not. It's a non-negotiable. Yeah, but where does where does that where does the uh, reserve unit in Minnesota? Where do the people of Fort Leonard Wood? Hey, Will, uh, Will, this is non-negotiable. The ranges okay. are automated. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Who wants to go next, Will? Yeah, hits count, misses don't. Okay, automated. Hits count. It's, can you, you want to elaborate on that? Misses equals zero? Yeah. So it's an either-or proposition. You either hit the target. Or, okay. Yeah. All right. Hits count, misses don't. Am I, the, am I the scribe here? You're the recorder. Fuck. Up the board. All right. Jeffrey? Yeah, seven days total, six days firing, and every day the Marines shoot. Seven days total. Yeah. Six what? Six firing days. Why the fuck are we out there for a seventh day? Because you. So I you just, can wash your ass for a day or what? Get your shit together. Yeah, you got to make sure that uh, everything works. It's going to work because it's automated. Okay. Tim? We're talking entry level and we're talking sustainment, right? Because what my proposal is, 100 meters. 100 meters and in is all you need to train. And, and basically what I'm saying is you're duplicating the gun sight five-day practical rifle curriculum. 100 meters and in. All right. So that's the program. 100 meters and in. Ranges are automated. We only count hits and misses. And we're shooting for seven days. Okay. Next Next proposal to the marksmanship program is what? Yeah, I, th I think you can um, start at entry-level training. That's recruit depots and a basic school uh, without gear. But you transition to wearing combat gear, and all qualification goes in combat gear. Okay. So slick to gear. Anybody got a problem with that? Nope. And the only reason I propose that is because we bring so many people in who've actually never handled a firearm. Right. So I right. want them to get it confidence that they can actually handle it without being encumbered by the gear. But then the gear is an integral part of the system. Got it. And, yeah, my thing was it's it's six days, but it can be more than once a year. And You uh, know what? I like that. Hold on. Because my thing was going to be – you know, you'd have to shoot this course four times a year. But I thought, auto, but but I thought being automated was more important because if if you don't 
and this is goes back to to a little bit of Will's brilliance last week. If you're out there and you're shooting sixty sixteen percent of the time, it's a fucking waste of time. So you got to make it efficient, and if you make it efficient, you can then make it repetitive. And that's my goal as a as a far sighted motherfucker. Yeah, my my goal with this thing would be to to make it to where the Marines can be trained. So in other words, uh, okay. So really so hold on, you gotta. You got to like. Oh, yeah, you, you guys are talking past each other right there. All right. All right. Yeah. First of all, did anybody recognize you? Yeah, <laughs> nobody did. So shut, shut the fuck up. Jeffrey? I'll go back on Jerry. mute. My, my apologies. <laughs> no, no. You could not mute your. You could, you could be unmuted. Just don't talk till we tell you to. Jeffrey, would you make <laughs> your emotions more succinct? Emotions more succinct. Yeah, did you, you see me go like this? Go succinct, like so. Multiple, it could be multiple times a year. Yeah. What else? What was the other part of it? Well, it's uh, the, the goal of it is is to put the is to make the Marines individual Marine uh, to a point where he can be trained from there. Okay, hold on. So let me ask this question to the rest of the the body, and you can speak now, Tim. Um, so should multiple times a year, should that go in with Jeffrey's first six days, seven days, six firing days, multiple times a year? Should that be one piece? No, I, I, I don't. I, I believe if you're doing this right, like Jeffrey just said, and again, I'm using the model of the gun sight practical rifle. So you're taking them from nomenclature to taking it apart from very basic steps. You don't need to do that four times a year if you've done it a good five days. The next, the rest of the, the next three iterations should be increasingly seeing how you've got goddamn automatic ranges everywhere, which will never work. Should be increasingly more sophisticated as far as gun handling skills and target engagement. Yeah. If I mean, uh, but, but we're but if we're talking about the the entry level course and the annual recall course, I, I'm I'm with I'm saying the practical rifle because it's simple, it's easy. People can score up high and shit like that, and it does everything that you guys just said. Hits only count, and you can automate it, and you don't, but you don't have to automate it because you're not going to be able to automate it everywhere. Yeah. So look, when you read the Marinko order, you know they define in the order uh, the the order of 2014 uh, way too high. They talk about proficiency, so you can achieve battlefield dominance. Blah blah blah. You can't do that. Right. 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 And so what Jeff's point is, you make this a building block so that people that need to be able to employ the system can be trained to do those things, which is what Tim's talking about. Different target exposures, engagement criteria, et cetera. So you have to define what you're trying to achieve here. What you're trying to, what you're trying to achieve is someone who has the, the fundamental understanding and proficiency in what we call the basics. Safely put the weapon into action, safely take it out of action, uh, understand site alignment, trigger control, and integrates it with himself as a system. So his gear, uh, the optic, and everything fits together. And they are proficient in those things so that we can take that Marine from wherever they are and put them into a pre-deployment program that's going to build on those basics so that we've identified 
what are the combat scenarios that we need to be able to be proficient in. But but may I, may I, may I put in something right now that it's sort of a consideration. The 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 methodology I'm recommending, which would be a, a, a similar to a, the the type of a, a course you would take at a professional shooting school. There's no eight relays right there. That's a group of instructors with two relays of students on a line, and you're 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 getting instruction, doing a demo, shooting the thing, getting instruction. You're getting through clearing malfunctions, magazine yeah. changes, all these things that we don't address at our entry level training. All that stuff, which gives you a basically proficient person who you can trust to put a weapon in action as is, and that's right. all you've got. Yeah. Right. And that's the why order now, though, right. the order now says we're trying to achieve proficiency in combat shooting. And that's now that's never going to happen. You and can't do that. Yeah. There's a gap of what the requirement is and then what the aspirational goal is. Yeah. So we're just kidding ourselves. And what we're talking about here is more than we're doing now anyway. I mean, yeah. you got to go to different schools to learn the magazine changes and the clearing type three malfunctions and shit like that. Yeah, but That's, in theory, Tim, I'll tell you, in theory, when you read the order, uh -huh. all those things are supposed to be covered, and you're supposed to be proficient oh, no in those things oh, no before shit. you show up, although no one ever does it. They say, you know, what are the four or five safety rules? Go. Uh, they they had at division schools back in 1987, 88, uh, what they called combat rifle and combat pistol instructor courses. And the way I found out about it is we came back for deployment, and they said, give me two good sergeants. And they sent them to gun site for free. Those guys went to gun site, did the instructor's course, came back and ran the gun site POI, and they called it a combat rifle instructor's course, took 20 students at a time, lieutenants and corporals and stuff. Right. And it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I it was mean, awesome. Yeah, it, five days. It was good, days. but it's not, it's not for the force. Right, it was not for the force, but that was the first. That well, was the only time for the I ever learned how to clear a malfunction, how to do the magazine changes, like you see on platoon and all the high speed shit today. You know the CQB stuff. That's the first time I, and only time I learned it. In the, well, not the only time. It's the first time. Okay, hold on. We got to come back and we got to continue to build. So, so where we're at was we're going from slick, right, to gear. Jeff, nobody has a problem with multiple times a year, although we would have right. to so at a minimum once a. Year. What's that? Yeah. Because there'll be some people that can't do it more than once a year. And, and then, okay, again, so, so let me – so here's – Annual qualification. Right. It should be done annually. So is that – so we're just talking about the annual qualification, no, I, not the program. Yeah, you, I, I would say there has to be kind of a paradigm shift there that uh, you don't uh, – you don't just do this once a year unless, unless you can't do it more than once a year. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to have people like Will. Well, let saying, me, and, and again, this is my point about the, about the, about automating the ranges. Okay. I mean, if, if I only have to draw my weapon and go out and shoot for a morning and that's one of the, that's one of the iterations for the year. And maybe I'm dry, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm dry firing and, and doing the, you know, training the day before. I mean, I think I can, I think, I don't care what your MOS is. I think you could do that, right? But if you got to go out there for a week or, or three days and you got to pull butts and you got to be there all day, that becomes, I think for, for, you know, in the, especially in the support community, aviation maintenance MOSs and things like that, that are critical. Those guys, you can't spare those guys for that period of time, right? right? You allow them. And so my, my question, and, and so all this rolls into this question, should it be a tiered system? 
you know, we have a system of qualification for support MOSs and another system of qualifications if you're going to be a closed with person or is it all one system? No, it would be that is one system. And uh, but what's I good about it? I just described two is, things though. That's one system. Yeah, it's one system, and I'd have them do like they the first couple of days they're shooting every day, and you move them gradually into where they're wearing you know their their combat gear, but uh, and they're doing a lot of they're doing a lot of shooting in the beginning at the thousand inch range, and stuff like that, and uh, and also they're doing problem solving where sometime during the the evolution they got to break let's just say i mean we're talking about weapons we don't even know what their weapon is going to be by the time we get to this I man well, i'm assuming it's going to be like you know the m you know the m16 now but uh they have to break the upper group from the lower group take out the bolt and then put it back in put everything back together and continue shooting that's one of the uh one of the legs of this thing and uh there, there's not as much emphasis on uh, doing your windage and your elevation and things like that, like there is on the rifle range today, especially moving out. But there is some, but it's seven, it's six days of shooting and you shoot every day. And uh, it, it goes from shooting at ranges of, of about uh, 10 meters all the way up to 500 yards. But you, it's got to be. Well, no, some- it can't because Timmy said we can't, we're not going past 100. Well, okay. Well, if that, I wouldn't do that. I would still have them shoot out because uh, the new rifle is going to have a six hundred meter uh, or six power scope on it. So it's like, I mean, they they wouldn't give us that thing unless uh, you know they intend us to use it like that. I mean, well, you know Tim, Timmy, are you going to? The thing is, though, is you just, are you trying? Yeah, are you trying to train the force? Yeah. To do what? Well, what would happen, Will, is at the end of that six days, these guys would be comfortable with that weapon. And uh, and that six days would be the beginning of any other, you know, or at least part, you know, portions that would be the beginning of any other training package subsequent. So, like, it's used at, at SOI. It's used again when uh, you, well, you, you get your bunch you, of you would, from- you, could, you could break it up during the year, though, and now it sounds like it's a six-day precursor to do other things. It can be, yeah. For some people, that's all there is. For your aircraft mechanics and things like that, that's all they get. And they can get damn good at it, you know, because you could say the Marine Corps rifle teams, you have intramurals to where people, you know, can compete, and that's what they're competing towards, you know. And uh, because you, in order to make people good at this, you got to make it attractive. Part of this thing with this gunfighter gym was, the, the like, Furness is uh, – approach was there'd be a module of these things in every regimental area and people could go there and do this training um after hours and uh and so consequently you'd have some guys that get really really good because they're into it and it's not it wasn't hard to lock on and it wasn't hard to do but this thing with my, my concept here based on your little you know your little uh, challenge to us is to make something to where when somebody did it it's good for a yearly qualification because a guy, he will be familiar with that weapon. You know, he can safely operate that weapon. He can effectively operate that weapon. But by no means is he a trained, you know, infantryman at the end of that. But from there, he can move so, on and, get, you know, better. But it sounds like now that it's, it's, it's not break. You can't break it up. It's six days of shooting what you're proposing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
I'll go back because what Jeff is describing, we got six days and end result is somebody that's very comfortable with that weapon. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Again, gun sight, front sight, whichever, black water, whichever syllabus you want to use, they're all about approximately the same. All covers the same thing to include malfunctions, magazine changes, et cetera. It, it covers all that stuff. My, my proposal is, is that the recall, that doesn't take six days. Recall is one day. And that's why I'm saying limited to 100. There's a utility to be back behind 100, but unless you're 03-something-something, I'm not so sure what that utility is for you. You know, Not to be a dick about this kind of stuff, but hell, we don't have any tankers anymore or tubed artillery, so I guess it's just kind of like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, that, right, that's so, what I said. So, 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 so I, that's why I'm hung up on 100. We, we should be beyond 100, the guy, shooter guys, but as a, as a service-wide qualification, I'm trying to make this easy because if it's easy, people will do it. That's all I'm trying to make it. Yeah, easy and interesting. Do, but easy to, to, yeah, easy to do it. Easy, right. easy, easy, easy to execute. You don't need to pull butts. You don't necessarily need an automated range. Individual scoring of the targets. This is all very simple. It's labor intensive on the instructor level. That's the weak, weak link here because you can't have eight, nine, ten relays and just a couple of guys on the, on the, on the range. You know, each group of 20 students needs four instructors. Yeah. It's funny you say because I remember I used to think that, you know, pulling butts was good because you got used to rounds going over your head. But then <laughs> but then I really had rounds going over my head. Yeah, I know. And it was nothing like that. Yeah, I know. I, I thought the same you know thing. I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, another thing I would put in there is I would divorce qualification scores from cutting scores. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Now, I, I would say you're unpromotable if you're unqualified. But I would divorce those scores because yeah. you'd be, you may or may not be surprised how important that is mm -hmm. to certain ranks and people yeah, in the manpower huge. system. So, so, so to what end would we well, divorce it, right? I well, mean, shit, with the folks. I, I, you it's wouldn't get any extra points for being an expert. You only you <laughs> you're either thumbs up, thumbs down. You qual, you don't qual. I would I would have I would probably have different levels of qualification, but I wouldn't award you extra points in your cutting scores. Got it. If you if you're, if you're unqualified, you're unpromotable. But if you're an expert, that doesn't mean shit compared to if you're a marksman. Got it. Because we kind of designed a pretty easy course here. Everybody should be able to shoot expert. I, I always thought the well. Let me tell you, I, that's the more I thought about this, the more I thought that would be because here's what I thought. I thought that if you automate the course, right, and and you're you're there to shoot, you don't have to be out there six days, right, and you can't and and but you need to shoot multiple times a year, right? Yeah. As Will said, you, who does something for a week? And says I'm an expert, and then only shoots 16 less than 20 percent of the time that you're out there, and that you're saying, yeah, we're good at this. And the answer is no. So to me, the requirement ought to be it. You have to shoot multiple times a year. That drives the automation of the ranges, right? And 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 that's where. And I would yeah. say I don't care what you could do at 500 yards, right? If it, for for the force requirement, I care. You know, I think Timmy. Yeah, point, but Mac, the thing is, you you don't care that the admin clerk at Fort Leonard Wood 
is ready to deploy. And what you're describing is training for people to be ready to deploy. Well, to right. me, I, in my mind, is training at least to a baseline that has to be re- repeated during the year so that when they do get ready to deploy, they're comfortable with their weapons and they can go plug into that system and then RSOI or whatever you want to call that shit. And I think Jeff's point is, if you get enough iterations so that you ramp proficiency to a certain point, it's going to have a lot slower decline until you ramp proficiency again a year later, the following year. Well, you're arguing against yourself uh, then. No, no. I, I, you just I said, say, how can you do something once a year and call yourself proficient at anything? Exactly. But what, what I would do is take the hypocrisy out of the Marine Corps order. Yeah, yeah hold on. The order says, if you do these things that we say now, you are a proficient combat shooter. And I say, that's crap. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it, it is it, no, no. That you're, we we would we would all agree by nan, by unanimous consent. Do we support Will's unanimous, <laughs> unanimous right, consent? All right, we all agree. We all agree point. with that. Okay, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, it's I, like, I, I would I would submit to you had had you've gone through one of these, and Jeff has because just like the HRP course, at the end of the HRP course, did you feel comfortable handling a pistol? That was uh, what five days. I mean, because we shot so many times, but but what what I'm advocating. Is, is again, instructor intensive, but I would submit to you that you would have a reasonable degree of proficiency from year to year, more so than you have now. But let's not kid ourselves. We're not, every, we're not I'm not talking infantry dudes. I'm talking about your average Marine. And, and, and what, you're, what you're striving to do is make them, so when you give them a weapon, they don't look like a clown handling the goddamn thing. That, that would be great, a great baseline right there. Okay, and so let me I ask you a question. You, so you, how many times are they going to shoot a year, Timmy? Once? No, no, no. I'm saying once a year. I'm saying you go through one of these courses in a year, and 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 I think you will leave that course feeling like you've got a pretty good idea, and a year later you could return. You're not going to be the same shape. But, but, you but you're saying that they're going to shoot once a year huh. like this. Yeah, but, yeah, but Matt, the, the, current, the current not, model in the Marine Corps, you shoot about uh, – you shoot about 400 rounds total in a week. Yeah. We're talking about shooting a thousand rounds a day. That's exactly right. For That's six exact, days. It's exactly so you're right. Getting 10 times the amount of training yeah. to actually exactly become right. proficient right. in what we've identified. At some as point, was somebody going to fucking say that? <laughs> or was it like you, was it like you understood in English? I still don't know what the fuck that means. It's obvious to all of us trained infantrymen. (laughs) Well, what about what about the unwashed? Well, (laughs) you know, it's like we uh, we thought. You know, my buddy Mike Maiman's dad in uh, seventy four, seventy five. He's they're hosting General Krulak the Elder at the Marine Memorial Club. And he's explaining to all these guys, all of them, these Bechtel guys are all former Marines. He's explained to them with the new physical fitness test and why they did it. They're like, the only thing that t- really tests a Marine is the physical readiness test, where you need an O course and a pack and a rifle and, you know, a place to do step ups and all that shit. And because that's what they had before. And he goes, we got Marines scattered. He goes, when we started 
it was one thing when we had the F4 Corsair, you know, and, uh, you know, and a couple other airplanes. But when we started getting helicopters and all kinds of different jets, we had Marines that uh, it takes a long time to teach them how to do their job and, and getting scattered out everywhere. So that's why they came up with the physical fitness tests. And all the awards that went with it, like if you got a 300 PFT, you got a plaque and stuff like that, to make Marines wherever they were, because pretty much anywhere you could rig up a pull-up bar, sit-ups, and find three miles to run on. And that was the philosophy because they just didn't have the time to get to where you could do that other stuff. And it's even worse, it's even harder when you're talking rifle qualification because of the you know the need to have the ranges and stuff like that so when i say seven days i I mean that um you know some people can do it more than once a year but most will be you know a a lot of people in in our mos will be able to do that type of stuff a lot but uh you know other guys again i i'm hung up on the that number of days so that's what i'm hung up on i I think if you're shooting the amount that you guys are talking about shooting He's giving you back a week. He gave you back a week from the current. <laughs> right? Right. Well, the other thing is, too, yeah. don't, don't kid yourself. If there's an annual qualification requirement that Marines are required to do once a year, right. they're only going to do it once a year. Yeah. That's just how shit works. And that's why I was saying not so much, you know, that part I have I was wrestling with. I mean, is it once a year? Is it once a quarter? Is it... Uh, you know, it, it, I think the minimum was once a year. You know what I'm saying? But uh, this thing is uh, – and, and it would be to where you have Marines who could get good at administering it, if you know what I mean. I coaching. think it should be twice a year at least. Yeah. Well, right. then you got to do math as well. Okay. That's why yeah, you're here. Right. You're, the, you're the math Yeah, di- so dick. just at the service level, think about okay. it. All right. For qualification – all that ammo is bought by the service. Got it. Mm-hmm. So and you're, you're exempting recruiters and DIs, of course. And then the other thing you got to think about is total force. There's 40,000 reservists. So mm-hmm. right now, reservists got 12 drills or 12 weekends. Got it. And two weeks. Got it. They take one entire weekend to do qualification. Got it. They do one to do toys for tots. They do one to do the PFT. They do one to do sexual harassment and all the other weird stuff. So they do MOS training, if they're lucky, six to eight times a year. You're going to take another one out because you're going to do qualification twice a year instead of once a year. Yes. Well, do we think it's important or not? Well, again, if you use the theory that I think the blended theory of us, i.e. focus on the basics do multiple iterations so that people achieve true proficiency. So that is building block number one. Yes. Yeah. Everything else. Got it. Builds on it. I agree with you. So you said, but you said, you said multiple times. You said multiple times a year. No, I didn't. I I said said that. Jeff. Possible to do it multiple times a year. And I disagree with Jeff because if you do it once a year as that building block, if yeah, I'm the CEO of Echo Company 2.6, I'm not going to redo that. They'll want to. I'm going to s- take the building block, right, and do something That's else. Exactly right, yeah, right. And if I'm the CEO of VMFA 224 or whatever it is, I'm never going to do it again because I need them to be proficient in turning the wrench so right. the hundred million dollar airplane doesn't fall out of the sky 
But I know that these guys have fundamental proficiency and that if we're going to deploy and have to do some of our own base defense, I can trust them to handle their firearms. I can't yeah. believe this same guy that, who said you can't do it once a year and expect people to be proficient. In- Again, the what? Marine Corps says you can do it once a year and be proficient. I don't you care can't. what the Marine We're not in the Marine Corps. We're in a third world country. Timmy got us rooms at a hotel. We're designing this from scratch. So, we don't give a well, shit. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. What's right. the problem you're trying to solve? I'm, yeah, the problem I'm not trying to solve is, is is badges on your uniforms. The problem I'm trying to solve is so that you feel proficient, you feel comfortable, that you can employ your weapon as basic, you know, soldier in our fictitious army that we're creating. That's the well, problem. Well, that's different. That's different. That's we different, were designed yeah. it for the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps has yeah. gotten truck drivers and airplane mechanics and cooks. You're talking about soldiers in the army. That's different. Yeah. Well, no, soldiers in the army implies totally different. Soldiers in the army implies cooks and bakers and candlestick no, makers. It what? What army are you living if, in? If you want to be proficient in it, yes, then identify that. This is a problem I'm trying to solve. I want people proficient in firearms. Okay, then this is something that we've got to do every other week. So you got to be ah. See now you. Why are you like that? Semantics. You got that. It's not that you're, you are. You wonder why you don't have any friends. What you do? I don't wonder. <laughs> I, you have to care to have friends. But it's I like, don't wonder at all. <laughs> you have a guy who can be. You have a guy who's effective with that weapon after that six days. He can. He's safe with it. He can hit with it, and but he can't fight with it yet. I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, he needs more work. But then again, everybody needs – even if you've gone through everything, if you've gone through ranger school, if you've gone through – you know, if you were an MSPF and you haven't done it in a year, you need to go back to – you need to go back to shooting. you got to shoot so much that you hate it. Then you know you're shooting enough. And, and uh, you know, you can't uh, – you can't just say everybody's now proficient now and forever. What what you've done is you've made that guy effective, and you put that memory in there for him. So if it's if it's a year, he can fall back into it, and he's better because it's not unfamiliar anymore, and he knows it's coming. Yeah, I just don't you know? think I just don't think one time a year, you know, in my the system I would design, it, I, yeah. I, I don't care who you were, I my my baseline system would be. Would be designed for support MOSs. That that you would be that, that would be like tier, now. That you would go, be tier you go, one. You do tables five and six. That's all you're doing. Tables five and six. You know you're not doing the whole transition course and everything like that. You know the, the combat glide and everything. So you can break the thing up and do it more when you get you know. If I was a CEO of like say, uh, you know, an engineer support battalion or something like that, I would uh, do that type of thing with my guys because that's a big morale booster for non-combat arms right. marine is doing oh, combat yeah. arms. The, the thing is, though, training is zero sum. If you're going to add more training days, you have to take training days out. That's fine. We got a week back. I, Timmy just said that. No, I said Jeff gave you a week back from well, the current if you, uh, if Don't you change automate, what the fuck you said. I know that trick. If you automate, you can get much you more repetition. You mean Thomas Edison with, of the rifle range right here. You mean where the, the hits are recorded by some system on the range? Yes. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All targets are automated. Oh, you can control exposure times and shit like that, too. It makes it real easy. 
But you can yeah. also do that. You can also do that with a pneumatic old old school range and a stopwatch. But you no. Know, but again, what I was trying no, to, by saying you can't uh, record targets. What I was trying to hits. yeah. Well, no, if you no, you'd have to. You'd, if you can manually score them. You no, still we don't need want that. people to go and look. Right. No, no, no. I know that. I, I, I know. On a hundred, but a hundred yard range, the shooters can do that. You so can go up and score the target shooting. Yeah, you gotta, I, that, that's that was my whole thing about being see at hundred yards. The multiple iterations drove my auto yeah, automatic ranges. That's what that's what drove that because yeah. I thought I because I, I think that's important. I don't, yeah. I don't I don't care where you are in the Marine Corps. I think you got to do it more than once a year. But that's the thing. Right now, I think that there are. 14 or maybe 16 ranges in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of units that get waivers to shoot on other kind of ranges. Right. These people that are stationed at army bases. Right. 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 And then there's people that get waivers because they don't have an opportunity. Right. So you're missing a big chunk of the force when you do these things. And that's one of the things that drives how we do things now, because we have a certain amount of infrastructure infrastructure that we do. Yeah, I, I think that the idea that we have not automated our ranges, it's the third decade of the 21st century. You know, that's criminal. Same infrastructure today is 125 years ago. On those, those Marine Corps-owned ranges, yeah, because those primarily service that's crazy. operating force units and entry-level training. That's crazy. We could, yeah. we could get the proficiency of those units much higher and the rest of that supporting establishment uh, are non-deployable anyhow, right. Right? right? And then you rotate into the operating force and you have an opportunity because you got increased throughput to be able to do that. Yeah, and, you, and you're, talking, uh, you're talking less than one F-35 to automate all those ranges with a sustainment package behind it. <laughs> That's a lot of money, though. <laughs> yeah, and, it's and, not a lot and, of money. Yeah. It's not a lot of money. Think about it. it, it, it an F thirty five is a lot of money. Yeah, but do math. How yeah. many people are in the operating? Forces? Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's an issue to automate thing. Yeah. I, that yeah. part is not an issue. It's just the, uh, but, you know, it's the it's then if you could get them all automated, and mine wouldn't be that. Uh, I mean, like I say, a lot of it you'd be doing on the thousand inch line. You'd be doing it in like. Uh, well, let me like let me. Okay, so Jeffrey, would you consider this as a motion? Would we, how about if we shorten your firing days to five, which gives us two more firing days because we've gone through the five-day firing program. We can then go back one day and let's just say we're going to shoot 200 rounds a person yeah, in like, whatever course like of fire. About, you come back and you do the, it's like a refresher and then you qualify. Right. I mean, right. yeah. Or so, some system yeah. like, you see what I'm saying? That, that, that yours would be the first leg in it. And then you'd shoot two more times, but because we're automated, you're only going to be out there for a day. Yeah. You're not going to be out there for, for multiple days. so. Yeah, I think, though, what's going to happen is like what Will said. If you don't – if they get to do it once a year, they'll do it that six days. And then you, – you're talking subsequent years, it's only two or three days? No, 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 no. The, 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 your first the, – the six well, days will become year, five. We got a week back, right? Right. And so I'm going to give you three of those days back, and we're going to – you're going to have to shoot two more times throughout the course of the year. So you shoot every every four months. And again, that again, let's put some reality if we're thinking about the Marine Corps. All right. You're gone for six months. Right. You're on leave for a month. You're at CACS for a month. You're on the MUX for three weeks and the SOCX for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. 
at some point you've got to define what these people are not going to do. Mm-hmm. The current, not the current, the pre-deployment training checklist of 13 years ago had 10 months of requirements for a six month period. You've just added two more requirements to it. I, I don't have a problem with it, but, but again, but I think if you're talking about, if you, uh, and you're, you, you just teeped a, you know, an infantry battalion getting ready to deploy. Right. So I mean, Any unit getting ready to deploy. So they do their five days, and they're gonna they're gonna have more than enough time in the field or wherever to, to, to execute this training. In my opinion, well, they've got to get to the facility. Of course. Yeah, I, none of this stuff is hard, and the only way to enforce it is give service level visibility. Got it. Got it. Let, okay. Any other? Any other great motions? Right. Um, I, I, I go back to I say entry level. I'll do it. I'll do it with Jeff's five along the lines that Jeff is talking about. Qual days, two. Two two days. Two days a year, a year after that to qual. One day refresher, one day to qual. Boom boom. Like no cops. sitting position. Exactly like yeah, cops. No, yes, it's, no it's sitting just position. Prone and- it's just prone and uh, and uh, off. Uh, I, I think you've got uh, you got uh, you've got a kneeling, a barricaded position, and maybe one prone and rest. And some 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 of the course of fire has got to be moving. But I'm I'm just talking again your yeah. basic practical rifle course. No, there's no sling. <laughs> Although they don't do the no, sling. No, 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 none of the locking. It. No, it's your basic practical rifle no course. Shoot, no, shooting, no, sh- no shooting. No shooting vest. No bar soap. No, no. Did you guys, did you, I, I, I used to put tampons on my shoulder so I could get that thing in really tight when I would, uh, sli- okay, look, uh, uh I don't have, I don't have too position. many rules on this show, Oh, but dude, you just violated I, one, Tim. Yeah. I, I, we do not I talk about feminine say myself that I've never used a tampon for anything. So <laughs> I, I used, I, I used them on, this, on a range. I sure as hell did. Wow. Man enough to admit it. It's got to be a good bandage. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, well, I, would, I, don't, I never had to do this. That. We're not going to talk about the absorption properties of a tampon, okay? Because <laughs> I just don't think you guys know that much about it, right? It's so, true. Uh, yeah, I know it. True. Mac, I will say, I know nothing about it. <laughs> you can't explain <laughs> the mathematical absorption properties of your basic Mark One tampon? It's got to be kind of like a huggy, though, and I got a lot of <laughs> <laughs> huggy. <laughs> You know, but <laughs> what happens if you sweat profusely? Yeah, no, it's just we'll stop. Yeah, we'll your stop. left shoulder yeah. explodes because of all the moisture in there. What's is nah, it, when it, did Lynch become a hunchback? Who knew? Nah, he'd be nice and dry. Lock that, lock the rifle in there in the sitting, though. What, um, all right, as we as we leave our kind of bastardized created uh rifle uh qualification program, every gun listening is going to shit all over <laughs> us, man. <laughs> I oh, know. Yeah. It's yeah, all right, though. It's sacrilege, actually. That's their job, though. That's their job. Yeah, that's but, you know, something that's interesting, though, is that we uh, we eliminated the range officers in 2009 or 2010. Right. And so this drive to have higher standards in service-wide qualification is a direct result of that because we put gunners into all of those billets. And, uh, and it may be a little bit of unintended consequence that now the gunner's field of view 
is is very narrow, but they're responsible for a service wide application. And I don't I don't want to um, I don't want to impugn them because I haven't been in the room with them and and heard the discussions. Um, they just may be trying to drag the Marine Corps out of something. But it is interesting that we're moving away from the competitive shooting side. Right. That was the range officers drove Marine Corps marksmanship. Mm-hmm. And they were basically a competitive shooting club that would trade billets about every three years. And, you know, Jeff Eby is the one that really honchoed eliminating that MOS. Because it was, I think it was 2009. We've been in a war for six years. And I don't so think at that got, point. Remember, well, some of those range officers, this is a hard, bitter pill to swallow, actually became gunners. Yeah. And they well, that in- was a compromise we made. Yeah, that was a compromise. And, but that was not a very smooth event. No, that, it, no, but, that, no but at some point, let me tell you something. To end the range officers in MOS was worse no matter what we had to do. Right. No, Because it took I wish everybody could have seen Jeffrey's facial expression yeah. when I said it was not a very smooth event. Yeah. Jeffrey winced like somebody just shot him in the ass with a pitchfork. I, I, I think we had wars with range control guys <laughs> through our careers about – yeah, I think we took about <laughs> we took less than ten of those guys who had infantry experience, right. sent them through the the gunners course, and then sent them out. But they held their rank, so yeah, we were yeah. sending guys out there with CW fours and fives who hadn't mm-hmm. been an infantry battalion for fifteen years. But it was worth it because we could see the sunset right. of those guys as well. Right. And then we would not have the range officers in charge of the service fundamental marksmanship. Which, which was driven towards a competitive marksmanship thing. And we also looked. We had, we had commandants who were concerned about how the Marine Corps shooting teams did. Oh, yeah. Per- particularly against the Army. Well, mm-hmm. if you want your shooting teams to be good, you need a big pool of shooters to have a big pool of competitive shooters. you got to have a competitive shooting program at the service level, which may or may not have anything to do with performance in combat. And I would stipulate that it had nothing to do with performance in combat. Um, so. In our history, then it's like the myths, myths we were talking about. There you go. Carlos Hathcock, he's a competitive shooter before and, he shot one person. But that doesn't mean everybody needs to be a con- That's Well, just the how- other thing is, Carlos Hathcock could not be a sniper in the modern Marine Corps. Yeah, right. Because snipers only come from the 03 MOS. He wasn't, yeah. Although, he probably was the premier fucking grunt you know but and i'll tell you something i'm sitting there a weapons train battalion i'm the captain of the marine corps shooting teams that's one of your billets and i have sniper school and trying to get those two boneheads to sit in the same room to talk ttps you would think snipers might be able to learn some from competitive shooters competitive shooters might be able to learn some from snipers those were uh those were the one, those were the smooth belly sneeches and the star belly sneeches. <laughs> Good segue, man. There you go. Wow. I got Dr. Seuss That's on the show. Wow. That's how we're plugged into current affairs. Well done. There you go. Well done. I didn't even know what you were talking about. I just laughed because everybody else did. Sneeches, <laughs> man. Everybody knows the sneeches. No, you gotta wait for Jeff to give you the hit. Oh, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know he's talking about. That's what I did. I was just trying to be like one of the cool guys. Probably the greatest 
children's book ever written against racism, written by apparently, who knew, the most racist writer of children's books in the history of the world. It's like so, Tucker Carlson said, he was a he was a fucking he was a preachy liberal. That guy, he was nothing. <laughs> You know, and it's ironic as hell that this is going right. on now. No, his granddaughter said, hey, he didn't have a racist bone in his being, right? No. What again, the hell is this? The I'll, star I'll belly sneeches and the smooth belly <laughs> sneeches or whatever they were. It's a great book. Is the guys, the guys who came up with the machines to take the stars off, the stars off. Those are, those I, are pretty I'll good. tell you who was a virulent racist was Karl Marx. <laughs> the shit he wrote... And I tried to point that out of my uh, my uh, my sociology class, and my professor's like, "Yeah, well, you can't cancel anybody, so don't even worry about it. Resubmit your paper." <laughs> I, 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 this guy triggers me, and he goes, "Yeah, that's bullshit. You got to resubmit your paper. I'm giving you a zero, so you can't cancel marks." I don't understand. I thought yeah. I thought you could cancel anybody if you can cancel Dr. Seuss. You can't cancel Karl Marx. Oh, he, oh, Marx! I don't want to even think about it. It hurts my. They didn't use and, and again, oh, again, Woodrow Wilson and Margaret Bear Sanger, or whatever. Her name. Yeah, we oh, no. Yeah, I mean, we bad. grew up at a time when the N word was a noun. That's true. I mean, you know, I mean, that's that was the reality of when we were little kids. All right, let's talk about um, let's talk about Donald Trump's. We're gonna play. Back when I was a kid, there was a thing. I can't remember on what on what sports show. It was a college football score show, and it was called The Big Play, right? And it was called – and then they stopped it, and they said, you make the call brought to you by the United States Air Force, okay? So we're going to do that now. Um, each of us is going to be Donald Trump, right? And you're going to be the, the president of the United States – and you're going to have in front of you that we can whack Suleimani, and then I want you to walk us down the trail of what you do given subsequent events, right? And the subsequent events are, one, right, fueling ICBMs, two, downloading images of al-Assad, and what was the other one? Erbil? Is that the other target? It was up in uh, Kurdistan, so it might have yeah, been. Yeah, it was Erbil. Okay. And then three impacts. No casualties. There were casualties. There was no killed. Impacts. No KIA. All right. <clears throat> so who wants to go first? Timmy, I think you should go first because... You're okay, so where, where are we starting at? Are you are you asking me to make the decision to kill Suleimani? I'm asking you right? to go down this trail. All right, you're presenting. Okay, so present it. Do you want me to give you cues and you you can give me responses as a as a president or how would you? How no, you no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. We've we 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 have killed Suleimani, and now you're you've come back here and you tell me they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're fueling up their ICBMs. They say they're gonna shoot them at us, right? Uh, yes, you get told right, they're right. they're fueling ICBMs. They've downloaded imagery from Al Assad and Erbil. It looks okay, like okay, they, okay. they will engage. I'm gonna assume that part is bullshit. <laughs> just 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 for the record, please please dear God, tell me 
that 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 General McKenzie didn't actually sit there and say, well, here's how we knew. See, they did this and then we did this and then there. Don't tell me that, please. Because if if I want to believe he was lying his ass off to make the Iranians think something that wasn't occurring, occurred or what have you. Please don't tell me that we give away secrets. Whatever happened to the bodyguard of lies? Uh, but OK, so they downloaded these. Oh, so you're saying they're downloading these things off the Internet, are they? Hmm. And fuel load. I'll tell you what, uh, General Mattis, hit him again. Just swack them all, all the refueling. I'd launch on those goddamn things they're refueling. What the hell? I'd be playing my hand because I have a strong pimp hand. But that whole goddamn 60-minute thing was bullshit. How well, the- I don't want to talk I- about that. I want to talk about you being potish, okay? I- I- I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, so I'm you, you'll I'm go to— go ahead and hit him. Hit, hit the ICBMs as they load, as they fuel them up. So you'll go to war with Iran? Sure. Okay. All right. Jeffrey? Okay, so uh, we killed Suleimani. Now, hold on, a... Timmy. You understand that we're still in Iraq, and we're at, at the time, we're still in in Afghanistan, too, right? I, I, I understand what you're That's telling me. That's a year ago. Mattis. What I'm telling you is I'm a negotiator. I've got the strong hand. I don't think he's going to pay back at me. I say I hit him again. I'm not afraid of him. That's oh, what I'm saying. So you're t- and I'm the, I'm the commander in chief. The people love me. The people love me. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying, General. So why don't you just stop with all the worried hammering and just kill some son of a bitches, would you please? Like Patton did. Where the hell's Patton? How come I can't find a Patton? There you go. That's me being Trump. <laughs> That was that was very good, very good. There you go. All right, there you go. Jeff, so, so Timmy goes to war. Jeffrey, so Timmy go- negotiates hard. Oh, that's that's a little bit more than negotiating, there, bro. I'm not, not I'm not lying to you, Jeffrey. Yeah, I would um I would let them know that I knew they were doing that stuff, that they were refueling their ice, you know, fueling up those ICBMs and stuff, that I knew it. Okay, and then I would uh, I'd mine the uh, Shad El Arab there. I'd uh, close off the uh, the uh, entrance to the uh, Tigerson. But they didn't download any images from the Shadow Arabs, so we know for a fact they don't care about that. Yeah, well, I mean, they still they got to get their oil out, right? Downloaded so. the images. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Please. Timmy, no. shut the fuck up for a minute, all right? I'm muting myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, so, Jeffrey, what are you? You're, you're the president of the United States now. What are you doing? Well, I would, uh, I'd right away move to close off the uh, their oil production. So hold on. So are you gonna? So they launch rounds impact Al Assad or Bill. No Americans killed, and you your response to that is to 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 mine to blockade yeah, all of the above. Yeah. yeah, and then here's the other thing. If they act okay, I didn't understand the sequence here. If they actually launched on that after those indicators, and then they launched, yes, then yeah. uh, they did then what they I did. Would, yeah, I would sink all their shit that they had in there. <laughs> I would, I kill people because I would, they didn't. Uh, if they just because they didn't kill anybody doesn't mean they weren't trying, you know. So Jeffrey would kill people. <laughs> He'd mine blockade and then kill people. All right, anything else? Jeffrey? Yeah, I had a bunch of stuff. I was going to, like, 
parachute little iPhones into the, uh, you know, into the Iranian population stuff. I was going to, you know, launch a bunch of drones up. So they thought they were being attacked by uh, trying to kind of re- repeat what the Israelis did in uh, 1983 to the, uh, it was 84 to the, uh, no, 82, I'm sorry, to the uh, Syrian Air Force. They made them think they're getting uh, blitzed, and they they, uh, they unmasked all okay, their... Okay, hold on. We're not, we're not doing Fantasyland, okay? So you're... Well, that, that's history. That's history. That I know, happens. I know. But what you're doing as the president exactly of the United States. You're that's doing president... exactly what you want to do. You've been asking... <laughs> you're do doing... That. Hold on. You're oh, doing president... You're giving us a history lesson. As the president of the United States, you're going to mine and blockade, and then you're going to kill people. You're going to do what? How, how are you going to do that? By, uh, I'm going to use our uh, naval force. I'm going to use our submarines and uh, you know, our aircraft carriers. And stuff Navy. Like Got, it. Got it. Yeah. All right. William? Yeah. After we killed Suleimani, yes. um, I'd let them know back channel that they don't get to shoot back. And I'd do a lot better. I, I think that the administration was out there about why we killed Suleimani. But I'd put the attack dogs on that over and over. And I bring out all the casualties that the guy caused, mm-hmm. and I'd let him know this is what this is this is my red line. And if you fuel those things, they're never getting off the ground. And I'd make sure that everyone associated with them, Revolutionary Guards, um, contractors, Russians, etc., knows if I see fuel going into those missiles, everyone, I'm going to draw a line five clicks out on either side. Yeah. Anyone in that circle is going to be dead. And, and I go right out in, in the world community when I did it and said, look, I took preemptive action and you expose your sources and methods, but say, here's what we knew was going to happen. And if he does it, if you're Trump and you do it, they call you a murderer. If you don't do it and you just kill Suleimani, they call you a murderer. In the end, they call you a murderer. So who cares? Right. One thing, though, one thing. Um, our guys are real vulnerable in Iraq to Kitab Hezbollah. That's the, uh, basically, that's the, you know, Hezbollah is just an arm of the Iranian military, no matter where it is, whether it's Hezbollah in Lebanon or that Kitab Hezbollah thing there. And uh, they they hugely outnumber you know, any of the Marine or, or Army units that were in there then or now. So you'd have to, uh, that would have to be a super credible threat that uh, and no and we know where those guys are. We know where their little firm bases and stuff because they they're not hiding at all in Iraq. But uh, that would also have to be something that would have to be targeted because our guys are vulnerable in there. So and when you, you if, hold on, hold on. So when worries. you use your naval forces, you you might you might strike those inside of Iraq. Yeah, that uh, those Hezbollah groups in inside of Iraq. Those would be on your target list. That's the well. The, it depends how they reacted to. Well, see, they retaliated for Suleimani. I do the naval thing. Right. They, if they continue to push it, the next bunch is going to be the Kitab Hezbollah formations that are there. And here's the thing: that's uh, it might be that it might be smarter to do it backwards. In other words, do the Kitab Hezbollah guys first, and then do the blockade thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the other thing is if. If we're concerned about our people being at risk in Iraq and Afghanistan, maybe we should figure out what the fuck we're doing with our people in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, there we go. Because I can't, 
That's exactly right. Wait a minute. Why would we completely change up the way we've done business for 20 years? Yeah. Because we're doing, you know. We should. You're still in timeout, Timmy. <laughs> I just, it, it, the idea that we knew we were going to do this and that they told us they were going to do it and then we allowed them to do it. I just don't see how that turns into a good thing. I'm going to explain this to you, okay? Yeah. Because I think the president did the right thing. I think he traded, at the end of the day, he traded Soleimani, and, and the worst thing that happened, and I'm for the people that are affected, right, I know it's shitty, but, you know, traumatic brain injuries. That's a, that's a good, and, and no other impact on the United States. That's a good trade. I think the president did the right thing. I think that's horrible. I, that's fine. You're wearing a Virginia Tech hat. What the fuck do you know? Yeah. Well, Go ahead. I, I Go ahead, Timmy. I would say that, that using people like that as bait or pawns is that crosses moral code. Well, particularly when because you're using in theory, sissies. right? Using you you got to put hard dudes out there. You don't. You don't have the inherent right to self-defense. You have the inherent requirement to self-defense and if you're in a convoy in iraq and someone presents a weapon you're supposed to kill them you're not supposed to take a round and hopefully they miss you're supposed to kill them you have the inherent requirement to defend you and your unit and if we knew that this was going to happen and then we didn't do it then we violated trust up and down we broke faith you guys I'm, and I'm saying that's a political decision that's been made over and over in the nation's history. And political leaders make those decisions. And I think at the end of the day, when the trade he saw was Soleimani for that response, I'll take it. How and, many people were there in Al-Assad? I don't, I don't know. Not that many. Well, mass casualties wounded. So that was 20, 30, yeah. 40. Yeah, dude, but hey, go go back and no, Soleimani. Don't me, dude, what happens if it was fifty people that were dead? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Go back to when Soleimani first un, unasked himself. Two hundred forty-one Beirut. Yeah. What did we do? What did we do? Yeah, jack shit. We left. Yeah. I'm we saying shot, though, uh, that's that. That was Max's point. We've made. We, we've done it before. We we'll do it all, all over and over. Uh, th- that's all. No, uh, this is not analogous to Beirut. This is not analogous. No, I'm just saying that we that, that we t- we tended to declare victory and leave. Yeah, but in this particular case, you're saying it's okay because we only had people get hurt. But we could have easily had 50 people be dead. Yeah. yeah. And then I, what would you say? I, Is that a good I, trade? I would no, say, I'd say no, it's not a I good trade. I would say I like, your will, yeah. will, I like yours, Will. I'm just defending Mac on what Mac said about this being a You're defending the indefensible. Thanks, thanks, Timmy. I appreciate that. You're defending the indefensible. Oh, I can do that shit all day. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. I'm going I'm to saying, danger school. You know, we've been saying for, well, at least I've been saying for like three years, we should be out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. If they can't handle it after all the shit we poured in there and are still pouring in, then they don't deserve it, man. So, Mac, at what point did Pearl Harbor justify us going to war? At what point? Yeah. Did it take the Arizona being sunk, the Oklahoma being tipped over, you know, or... 
if it would only so been... if they find so here's a question that's a good question so you yes. find out that they've they've transited by one of our Catalina planes right or what are they PBYs yeah how about that for aviation nomenclature yeah. right huh? well, we had, there you go we had the aircraft carrier out doing the they just All right. weren't in the right let's place. just say for the sake of discussion we see that battle group right do you do you attack that battle group no we're not at a state of war if they fly there's airplanes, a warning given if warning they fly given airplanes the- into the airspace that we mm-hmm. control that's an act of war doesn't matter if they hurt one guy or if they kill 22 okay so, so so in my example the pby sees them they're transiting towards hawaii you yeah. don't you don't engage them no we're not at war okay all right. Oh, but so, you sure as hell sorting those battleships out towards them. Yeah. And, and, and get everything you have going towards them. Yeah, but, but, but they launch armed aircraft that penetrate that, their airspace. There you go. That's an act of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you are required to defend yourself. I mean, we sail fucking ships all through all kinds of places, right? All the time, whenever we want, carrying nuclear weapons. It's not an act of war. You penetrate Chinese airspace with five squadrons of airplanes that are armed. That's an act of war. I, 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 and I, I don't disagree with you, but... You can't. War is politics by other means, right? So yeah. what, what's well, the incident? What, what, is, what is the incident in the Eastern Med where the Israeli... I mean, we get... Oh, you're talking, talking about when they attacked us what? in '68? Yeah, '67. Yeah, they attacked us. Yeah, it was during the '67 war. They yeah. missed. Yeah, they uh, they they it was green on blue. They fired up. It was red on blue. <laughs> well, they fired up the USS Liberty. They claim yeah. that it was a mistake. The Israelis right. do. Right, But right, because right, right. it was a, uh, I mean, it was an intelligence type ship, the Liberty, and um, and they strafed it. They fucked it up because they thought that. Uh, that uh, European um, entities would be getting the intelligence from that, and it would be passed to the Russians, who would pass it to the Arabs, and so they 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 attacked it, and we lost a considerable amount of people. A guy got a Navy Cross out of that. I can't remember the guy off to the deck. Did we retaliate against Israel? They no. they apologized immediately and made reparations, and they're yeah. an ally. And you yeah. and you're okay with that? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I am or not, but it's different. Now we're going to get the exacto knife out. No, there's not a lot of people in Israel that are standing up and saying death to America. What about, um, you just lost 20, I can't remember the total. My my, my point is that we make, is that we make, we make these political decisions, right? All the time in conflicts over over the course of our history. The start got smoked by the Iraqis, right? Right. Yeah. That one was ineptitude. That's exactly right, too. I don't we, think anyone's ever said that was with malice. We didn't do. We didn't retaliate for that. So, <laughs> I, I, and that's the thing, yeah, Mac. I don't right, want yeah. to retaliate against the Iranians. I don't want them to retaliate against us. They fuel those things. They don't get to put people at risk because we killed their guy legitimately. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, is that you're now the president of the United States. You're not yes, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You're no. running. You're running for re-election. You're fighting in Afghanistan. You're fighting in Iraq. And now, 
you're and now your guys come to you and say we want to whack this guy, and you're gonna now you're gonna you're gonna possibly create another war, and you're and you're open to to escalating this war with with, so a, are with, you with going Iran. Back and saying we shouldn't have killed Suleimani. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying that I think the president did the right thing. That's what I'm saying. He killed Suleimani, and then yes. he's 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 willing to allow the Iranians to land a punch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because of the election year. I yeah. see what you're saying. I don't buy that for a second. I know, I know. Yeah. All right, no, I just think it's an hey, interesting... Hey, by the way... I just think it's an I'm interesting... Never, it's a, you I'm know, never going to run for president, so you know you don't have to worry a, about I'll it. tell you what, there's a shocker. Say oh, man, say it ain't so. <laughs> so. No, but I think it's an interesting... When you get down to it, I think you're... And I think you're exactly right. You see that, and you have every right to retaliate. But I think at at the at, at at a higher level, you're already fighting in two different nations. Are you going to, in theory, expand it? If if Iran says no, now we're going to retaliate. We're going to, you know, the Americans aren't going to push us. They can't. We're going to see how far we can push them, right? And it might cost us some people, but whatever. Now are you going to go? And you now now you've committed to that course of action, and you don't know where it's going to end. To me, they they. And so to me, I I, I just. And I, that's why I, I think, think this is an interesting discussion. I think the president. I think, I think the lot, president did the right thing. I think we hold a lot more of their stuff at risk than they hold at ours at risk. Right. And that I, I just don't know, in the end, how it's good when you willingly accept casualties because of what you did. Well, and, and, and here's and my response to that: is you you killed their number one military guy. That's at the end of the day. That was the trade. And, I'm not trading though. He deserved and to be the, dead. Right, and the president said, "Yeah, I'll take that trade." And I yeah. think I, I thought that was a good trade. All right, what are you reading, hey. Timmy? What are you reading, Jeff? You'll go last because you can't copy anybody. <laughs> I'm still reading. I'm I'm still reading that that book on Grant because I spend most of my week week uh, reading my sociology. Theory books. Did you read that part I sent you on suicide from Durkheim? No, I haven't read that yet. Have you? No, I that's haven't. some dense stuff. But I spend I spend a lot of my time reading sociology, and just a little bit of time reading about Grant for entertainment. I, I just don't have a lot of free time right now. And next and next week I'll be at uh, Raton, New Mexico, at the Whittington NRA Range Center, shooting shooting stuff. So I'm all all excited on the road next week. All right. Well, what are you reading? Uh, I finished uh, Crazy Horse and Custer, and it's interesting. I think Ambrose wrote that in the early 70s, mm-hmm. and he became a much better writer after that. Whoa. The history <laughs> part of that's very good, but he throws a lot of editorial comment in, which just didn't need to be there. Um, so now I'm reading. I just started this book. It's called— Give us a major takeaway out of Crazy Horse and Custer. Um, Historical type. <sighs> It, it is interesting, the parallels in their lives. Oh. Um, just uh, how they attained leadership within their societies, um, how they got themselves in trouble over women in their lives. Uh, and then in the end, how Crazy Horse probably learned a lot more fighting American cavalrymen than Custer learned after fighting Indians. And Crazy Horse, 
on one particular day was a better general than mm-hmm. Custer was. Um, so just interesting. Um, I'm reading a book now called The Plague of War by Jennifer T. Roberts. It's going to be basically Athens, Sparta, through the Peloponnesian War, and then plus the next 50 years. And I read the first two chapters. It's actually very good. Um, and then just a note about what are you reading. Um, one of your listeners, who I happen to be related to, read The American Buffalo. Based on <laughs> your Tim mom sent me a nice note, too. And I, having read it, and said it was a great book. Uh-huh. And right. now is watching the Netflix shows that the guy put on there. I think they're called Meat Eater. Right. Yeah, um, he's a pretty interesting fella. So, the, <laughs> Tim, unfortunately, the ripples that you put in the pond go wide out there. That, <laughs> that's always a dangerous thing. And, uh, and it was nice to hear from Pat. Thank you very much. Oh. Well, you know, there's um, um, more than a handful of people that, you know, on a regular basis, take, take notes during what are you reading. So right. with all of that said, Jeffrey... So I, I read The Art of the Deal on the airplane uh, over to uh, Florida and then in Florida and then on the way back. And uh, so it's about President Trump and his life as a businessman in in New York and uh, a construction businessman. And so he's talking about how hard it is to uh, deal with concrete and deal with uh, cement and how much corruption there is because of the mob. And uh, so I, I, read a, um, I read a book at the same time about John Gotti. And um, there's a, the thing about John Gotti is the guy's funny. I mean, they got all these wiretaps of him. And there's one where they're saying to him, well, you know, now that uh, Angelo's brother died in a car, in a plane crash, maybe they'll go easier on us with the dope stuff. And he goes, go easier on us with the dope stuff. Yeah, that'll happen the day after my mother goes down on Ronald Reagan. So that, it's like... It, every the jury has these headphones on, and Gotti doesn't wear them. And he goes, everybody busts out laughing, and, and he goes, "What?" And his lawyer points to the transcript. He goes, "Oh, sorry, mom." And then um, the next thing was he's telling the guy tells stories all the time about stuff, and he's like talking about, yeah, you know, Sally Polizzi gets pulled over by the cops, and they find an act in the back of his car and two Berettas. And they go, "Hey, man, you know." You know, you're a known, you know, associate of the mafia. And you want to tell us why you got an axe and, and two Berettas in the backseat of your car? And he goes, are you serious? I will never fucking rent a car from Avis again. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you know. that's the uh, that's the Hunter Biden excuse, right? Yeah. That wasn't my crack pipe. I car from yeah, right. <laughs> So, but yeah, but the, the art of the deal is good. You, you get a, I'll tell you that ice rink thing. My buddy Kirkaby, who listens to this, you know, who he, that's the first story he told me about Trump back in like the late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, he said, hey, this Wolman rink thing was an amazing thing he pulled off, you know? Yeah. But, I'm, uh, anyway, so that's me. I'm listening to uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl again. And uh, in particular, the second part of it, where he talks about, after he's in the concentration camp. And one of the things I love about that is uh, he shits all over Freud. Good. 
Rape is a fraud. Freud and Marx are the fucking two biggest assholes in the history of the world. Cause of more misery than anything else, man. Well, and he talks about the the circular, the the circular (laughs) argument of this of 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 dissecting your past with somebody who you give pieces to, who then layers on their own experience and lens and tells you that, yeah, Mac, you really, you know, your problem is you really want to have sex with your mother. Right. And, and, and that the pointlessness of that fool's errand. And, um, and so I've been listening as I, it's, 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 uh, the second part is about 90 minutes. The book, the, the entire audio book, Man's Search for Meaning is about four hours and 45 minutes. And uh, the second part is about an hour and a half, an hour being part two, and and then about 35 minutes of speech that he gives in San Diego in 1985 or something like that. And and, and I listened to that intently. I'm not that I'm trying to memorize it or anything like that, but but as, as he talks about these things, I mean, to me, you know, I just think he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And if you if you've been through shit in your life, you know, I think, I think Viktor Frankl's recipe uh, for, you know, life after traumatic experiences, how you give your suffering meaning, how, how you elevate your life, how you transform your life, um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I'm, I've been listening to that on a loop ad nauseum. And, but I do. I, it makes me laugh when he shits on Freud. And he shits on Adler, too. <laughs> You know, as you know, I, he ridicules Adler as much as, you know, Freud's will to pleasure and then Adler's will to power. And he shits, he shits on both of them. And I think uh, I think uh, that uh, Frankel is spot on with his with his path. And it's uh, as you can if you would ever listen to post-traumatic winning, uh, you would hear that. I, I will tell you one other thing. I've uh, I've been doing this thing Monday nights and we've now got to the sixth part. And where the people in there, most of them are women are now hearing the message of, okay, the, the last thing that's required of you in this thing is you have a moral responsibility to touch the lives of other people. And they started doing it this week in a big way. And <laughs> since Monday when I sent it out, unbelievable uh, conversations with people about helping people in their families, friends they know. You know, it's just uh, it's just really cool shit. So that's been a big part of my week this week. So very, very cool. Very, very cool. And... And uh, and then another phone call saying, hey, you know, this is supposed to be a seven-week program, but we don't want it to end. What do we do? <laughs> right? I mean, it was just cool stuff. So, anyway. It's not bad, buddy. No, it's, it, it is. And, and let me tell you, I, you know, um, I'm headed back up to Montana a few times uh, this week, uh, this week, uh, this summer. And, and really, Timmy put me on the road to that. You know, at some point, you know, I hope that we can, we can you know, we could do something along those lines because I think it's a program that needs to be run year round. But I mean, Timmy's the one that, that said, Hey man, you got to get involved in this kind of stuff. And it did not work out the, the path that Timmy and I originally kind of talked about, but there are other paths. And, and let me tell you a program like that absolutely needs to run year round because it brings guys together that have served together. It could bring, you know, it could be bring rape victims together. It could be domestic violence victims. It could be child abuse victims, and it's life changing. So, so these guys help in all kinds of ways. So I just want to make that statement. Any saved rounds? Will got a book out while I was talking. Will I? I, no, I, I got to say, book. 
going back to that one trip I took a, a couple of years ago, I just can't get over how well not only me but everybody else out there slept. Slept like babies. We were in, we were on the ground, you know, sleeping in bags on, on intense and stuff. Slept like babies. I never. I I can't explain it. How do that you, was the weirdest damn thing. Do you sleep like that at home? Oh no! Oh, oh hell no! No, I, I I generally get up a couple times during the night. I I have problems staying awake. It it goes in cycles. I, sometimes I sometimes I can string together. Wait, you have problems staying awake or staying asleep? Staying asleep. Got it. Got it. Jeffrey, do you sleep through the night? No, I'm uh, I gotta take that beta prostate shit. I'm pissing like every hour and a half. Really? Mm. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Will you sleep through the night? Yeah, because I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't go to bed till almost midnight. I like that when I was I don't thirty. Till eight. <laughs> yeah. But do you sleep through the night? Most nights. Can it's you... that goddamn gambling. I'm telling you, it's like it's like a it's like a family youth for him. Ever since he started living. taking those guys' money, it's clean living. Knowing that you've taken the life savings of a gambling addict, <laughs> sleep sleep like baby. Like, sleep uh, like I gotta get into that, baby. Wow, you can sleep for eight hours straight. Yeah, shit. It's clean living, man. No, it's not. COVID's been great for me, you know. <laughs> The, yeah, um, you, I want yeah, I wanted to talk about COVID a little bit, but we don't have time. All right, boys. First of all, well done. I appreciate uh, both the discussion of the now the marksmanship thing is something that every Marine has a, a has an opinion about. And after we got done last week, I thought, no, nah, we need to kind of deep dive into that and just develop it and in some kind of imperfect model um, because that's what these are. I will tell you this: so one point that that Will's made that Will made was. The whole migration of the gunner program and the ranger officer thing, that was not a small deal. That was a big deal uh, in yeah. terms of shooting in the Marine Corps. And I, I believe you're absolutely spot on in terms of the changes you're seeing are as a direct result of, of that. And that's uh, – let me, let me echo that. And, and, and if any group of guys is going to come up with something like the practical rifle program, it's going to be gunners because most of those guys have been to multiple schools. They all know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. But they're the Bickersons too, man. They get together. Yeah, they oh, yeah. do a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's one issue that they may be a little bit too narrow. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, marksmanship is a funny thing in the Marine Corps. It just cooks along, and nobody pays attention to it until it blows up. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know who the CO Weapons Training Battalion is now, but I was I was one of a long line of undistinguished colonels who were there. And a lot of those guys got manipulated by the range officers or thought, you know, this competitive shooting thing is all that matters. And uh, there, there was a guy that was there for like 20 years, right? Yeah. All the John Wayne stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, they finally got rid of him. Yeah. But then it became, you know, meh, sort of a second rate guy, make him a commander. But well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't believe that shit. I, would, well, I, I, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look. You know. I'm kidding. That you deserve. No, no. You deserve I, that. So fuck it. I don't. I don't believe me. The job is a job that you need to have a major there, 363 days out of the year, and maybe two days a year you need a colonel, and that's only because a general comes and shows up. But yeah. it's a major's job at best. Uh, you had all that free time. You could have been snooping around the FBI Academy and left with, 
cases and cases of 45 caliber golden saber rounds. No, like I your was, buddy Tim I, I just, in fact, I go. sold all the 40 cal that I took <laughs> out of there from the FBI. <laughs> I've never bought one of those pistols. I hate that round. Yeah. Well, I bought one and I had all these rounds and I figured I hated shooting it. So I finally sold it. Uh, yes, but yes. I, I did buy back to them. Those, I did those. buy a 45 long hole. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It's nice. <laughs> Not here yet. I'm interested in that because Mac got the peacemaker too. So yeah. is that, that, is that like a, is it, when you shoot, is it like a, like a 357 or what's the recoil like? Is it, uh, I think it's less than 357. It's more like 38 special. Okay. But it's a big round. Well, explain it. Explain round is like that long. Explain yeah, it. Is that is that long ass one? Explain yeah. to everybody what you bought, and and I do bought, it in terms of like for non gun assholes. I bought a a Colt single action revolver. It's their third generation. The first generation they invented it in about 1872-73, and they made it all the way up to World War II. Then they went to production of just 45 automatics. And then they picked up again in the 50s and they made the same single action revolver, I want to say into the 70s, maybe in the 80s. And then they stopped and then they picked it up again at some point. And right now they're producing about five guns every workday. So they're making somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 a year. And they've made them in all kinds of caliber. They made them in 4440, 3220, 38 special, 357, 44 Magnum, 45 Long Colt. Um, so, Will, is yours, uh, how long is the barrel on yours? Five and a half. Okay. So, they make them four and three quarters, five and a half, seven and a half, which was the seven original cavalry pistol. The original one, yeah. Seven and then and they half. actually made one, I think, in ten and a half. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Holy special. shit. Is that the yeah. Buntline special? The, the Buntline, yeah. Named after the writer, Ned Buntline, who uh, who basically made Wyatt Earp famous. But, uh, yeah. Ten and yeah, a half. That, an old, that right gun. there, I can't believe you came up with that one. Yeah, why, you, why did you know that's, that? That's amazing. The, the, you just, that shit just rolls off. Your, like, like, like everybody would know that. Oh, of course. Yeah, that guy that made uh, that guy famous in Tombstone. Sure, that's amazing, man. I can't believe he just came up with Jeff, that. Jeff's grasp of meaningless detail once again. <laughs> no, it's amazing. All right, there you have it. That'll that'll do it for another Thursday edition of the Mensa Sisters here on uh, All Marine Radio. So, thank you very much for spending the last uh, hour and a half with us. Didn't mean for it to go that long. But uh, I enjoy talking to my friends, and we tend to have a good time. So have a, uh, have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow right here on uh, your home for All Marine Radio, the All Warrior Radio Network.